quick thank you to our sponsors before we start. First, we want to thank ElectroVoice. Based right here in Minnesota, ElectroVoice creates and manufactures live audio solutions, microphones, speakers, and other pro audio applications. They were kind enough to provide the microphones that we use for this podcast. They sent us a pair of ND76s, which are great handheld mics for onstage performances and are excellent at a wide range of other applications. They also sent us a pair of RE320s, which is what we almost always use for the podcast. They excel at spoken word and dialogue, but are also useful for miking drums, live instruments, and vocals. For 91 years, ElectroVoice has been providing top-of-the-line sound solutions. Thanks, guys. And this week, we're very excited to talk about a brand new sponsor, Olio. Olio is a company that provides CBD in various powder blends and flavors such as coconut water and flavored teas. Olio uses a patent-pending technology to extract CBD oil and make it water-soluble. The team over at Olio were nice enough to send us some test packets, and I've been trying them for the past week. So basically, they come in single-serve packets, much like a crystal light that you just add cold water to. They have a coconut water flavor, which is great for post-workout hydration or any time of the day that you're craving coconut water. And then they have various flavored tea blends. The tea blends have caffeinated and non-caffeinated options for whatever preference you choose. Each single-serving packet provides 25 milligrams of CBD oil, and they also sell bulk flavorless powder that you can mix in with a beverage of your choice. Now you can do a quick Google search of CBD oil benefits on your own time, but research is out there showing that CBD oil can help a variety of issues and ailments. Personally, it's helped the muscles in my upper back feel a lot more relaxed and loose since I've been taking it for the past couple weeks, but I'm looking forward to continuing to use it, and I'll obviously report back on how it's been going. To learn more about Oleo, head to their website, www.oleolife.com. That's O-L-E-O-L-I-F-E.com, where you can go purchase their products and learn more about the company. I can't do that. Yo, what up? Welcome to the Green Room Podcast. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Green Room Podcast. I'm you know, this try is that. a special edition. Give I want to try, try to, I want to try to make that noise. Okay, go. Are you okay? I can't do it. I can't trill my R's. Okay. Can't well, do it. That's okay. Anyway. Oh, damn it. Um, moving on. Welcome thing. to the Green Room Podcast, y'all. We know you're super stoked to be in here. We are too, because we got a special guest this week. Her name is Anna Yvette. You might have seen her on... Some tracks with some of the biggest artists in electronic music right now and some of the biggest labels in electronic music right now. She's yep, super she's badass and an authority it, on it, royalties, performance royalties, sync, licensing, publishing, mm-hmm. etc. And like, super I've, exciting. She's got a song coming out, speaking of syncs, coming out on a Forza Motorsport 4 or Forza Horizon 4 yeah, yeah. this Friday. And everybody's played that freaking game. So yeah, today, you guys, go peep it. It's out now. Go play the game. And she has a contest going on, so you can peep details on that in the interview but we're just going to send you off she's a super super tight vocalist singer songwriter producer primarily producer because women like that first we're not the fucking singer we're producing our shit too and i just want to clarify that anyway anna yvette what's up girl our first guest tonight is introducing special guests let's do this we're listening to green room podcast This is Annie Vett, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. Hey, 
So this week we got Anna Yvette hanging out with us all the way from New York City. What's up, my dude? Yes. How are you? Good. Good. I had a cool morning. Got some graphics done already. How about you? Oh, damn. Yeah. I'm just like working in my studio, working on my next single. Dude, fuck yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, So, okay. I think I first ever saw you as a feature on some really dank Monster Cat tracks that I was like obsessed with a few years back. So it's like so (laughs) surreal to, to be like, you know, Facebook friends. This is another one of those interactions where you're like homies <laughs> with someone you've never actually met. Yeah, like the URL like connection. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh, I know you though. <laughs> but Aww. yeah, anyway, I've been listening to you for a hot minute. It was super exciting to finally have a connection with you, and especially right before you started doing all this awesome solo stuff. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've I've actually been a producer for a really long time, but I was mainly producing like pop and hip hop, like just behind the scenes and writing. And then I sort of stumbled into EDM because I don't know, like I've always loved dance music, but it's also just so fun. Like you get to work with so many different producers, so many different genres. You're constantly like learning new things. So it just sort of happened by accident. And then I just like fell in love with it. And over the years, you know, I feel like I've been lucky enough to be able to like cultivate a fan base cuz i feel like the EDM community is like there's nothing like it i mean i'm sure you like you feel the same way like yeah no definitely so supportive yeah after like years of of just doing kind of features i was like yo like i have all this music that i make that i never put out or i'm selling to other people and i just was like yo i i need to put some shit out <laughs> yeah that's awesome dude and i what was your first one rainbow dream was that the first drop yeah, so that was like my first solo song in a, in a minute, in a yeah, hot minute. That was awesome. Okay, and so I had a question for you on that track you did with Laura Brem, who, if people don't know who we're talking about, oh, she's another this. awesome, badass chick vocalist. And I assume y'all produced that together as well? Yeah, actually, the, the story for that track is so cool because we, I flew out to Colorado and I stayed with her for a week and we wrote like tons of songs. So we like started that song, like writing it. We just like wrote it. That's it. We didn't even record anything. And we wrote like the first verse and that's it. And we didn't really have anything else to go on it. And then I was like, oh, I'm like, I, I usually spend every summer in Rhode Island. I have, like tons of family there. Like we've been going there since I'm like a kid. My family's been going there forever. So I was like, yo, why don't you come out to Rhode Island? We'll like write, beach, you know, whatever. And then I was actually house sitting for my good friend Sandra. And we were like in her kitchen, like just chilling, writing, whatever. I was like, this song needs a hook. We need a hook. And I just like, I don't know. I just wrote it. And then all of a sudden the rest of the song just kind of came together. Like, and we did it like in her kitchen. Like I set up my like (laughs) studio monitors. Yeah. Like we just, and she recorded it like in the closet upstairs, like Laura recorded her verses. And then I came home and then I finished off the production for it, you know, like, and I, you know, the harmonies, any, any other extra stuff. And that guitar actually was also recorded in Rhode Island in Sandra's closet. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I feel like the coolest songs just have like the smallest, like the biggest yet smallest backstories. Like the ones that I work the least time on end up being some of the most fire things that I ever did. And like not saying that you spent the least time on it, but writing that, you know, sounds like it was pretty effortless and that it just like at least exactly. writing the song itself was pretty easy. It was so easy. And then it was funny because we didn't know, because like I I really love like Synthwave and that 80s vibe and I just couldn't get like Pat my is drums. rejoicing over here by the way <laughs> love synthwave 
that's like my fave. Like that's, I, I don't know, that's always in my jam. So that's why I reached out to Fool and he actually helped finish off the tracks. Like I just couldn't get the drums to sit right. And I don't know, like he just has like, oh God, he's so talented. It's like not fair. He has a new EP coming up, by the way, which you have to check out. It's just, oh man, he's Don't so talented. His name is Fool? Yeah, Fool, but it's F-O-O-L, like, and there's a period in between because it stands for, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah go for it. <laughs> Fucking go for it. It stands for Fuck Our Ordinary Lives. That's amazing. Yeah. I know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's super sick, dude. That was that song was like the anthem of my last couple summers. It's it's awesome. Ah, uh, no way. Yes. Oh, definitely. In the summer. Yeah, dude. That's the sickest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just the perfect summer. And that's why we had to finish it in Rhode Island. Cause I because I remember writing it. I actually went out to Laura's like the beginning of July, and she came out a couple weeks later. And I was like, yo, man, I was like, this song is so summery, but we need to like finish it like somewhere super beachy and like Cause Rhode Island's like all about that vibe, yeah, like one thousand percent. So yeah, I don't think we would have like finished it if we didn't go there. That's awesome, really, dude. Yeah, that's super sick. Yeah, we were just talking to bureaucratic about popping over to NYC sometime soon to do another podcast and lay down some, make a song while we're over there. So I'll come pop yes. by your place too. <laughs> come over to my house, hang out with my cats, my bunnies. Hell super yeah! Cute. Oh, you got bunnies. <laughs> oh damn! That's amazing. bad boy buns. Bad boy buns in the house. <laughs> But yeah, we've, I was just talking with our homie Snowman last night, who's like an old school A&R for some big labels and a, a killer saxophonist. He's just got like lots of, of knowledge. And oh, um, we were talking about, about Cream and how insane it was that they wrote, you know, like 20 Billboard hits in like the year they were together before Ginger Baker's crazy ass like made them <laughs> want to kill themselves and break up. <laughs> But we were talking about that apparently like they wrote most of those singles with the quickness and like they sort of had this like formula figured out between the three of them that was just like an uncanny recipe for being some of the most prolific motherfuckers on the planet. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, so we were listening to, you know, in the white room with black curtains mm -hmm. and they wrote that apparently in like a couple hours, which is insane. Are, well, going back to what you were saying earlier, like those are those songs that write themselves and yeah. come effortlessly, those tend to be the best ones. They really are. Because I think people can tell when a song is forced or when you spent too much time. And I think it's way harder to pull that off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly it can be done if you look back to how the Beatles used to write songs. They'd lock themselves in mm -hmm. a room for like 12 hours and come out with maybe one or two. And they'd you know, hash it all out. But I wouldn't really call that writing itself. Like In, a, in the world of electronic music especially too, uh, if you pick the right presets or you have the right patches that just all work together, then it becomes effortless, I think. Yeah. And it, it like can really make. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's like sometimes I'll start a song and I literally won't be able to finish it until like I live my life. Like, I, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but it's like I'll have no, the beginning of the song and then like I'll need to like go through whatever I'm going through and like see it through. And then I'll be like, oh, this is how it ends. You know what I mean? Because it's like a story. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. But sometimes yeah, I know there are things you just have to come back to, you know, I, like yeah. things that you get completely stuck on and then you'll be like, fuck this. And then you come back to it like two weeks later, almost like, having oh, forgotten, forgotten yeah. about it. And then you just effortlessly finish the end of it really mm -hmm. quick. I don't know. It's all like mindset of what, where yeah. you're currently at, I, I guess. Yeah. Like you're yeah. saying. It's so, but it does feel like so nice when you're like, oh yeah, like I just wrote that song in an hour and it's done oh and it was God. a hit. 
You're like, yeah. I totally know your feels. <laughs> it's so nice to sit down and like you're the first songwriter we've actually talked to on the podcast, I oh, believe. Wow. Um, and the second chick. So woohoo. Yes. We'll put a, in, insert applause, Pat. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're the, probably the first songwriter we've actually had on here. So I can vibe with you on those good feels of when you sit down to write to a beat and it just happens. And then there's other times where I'll sit there for three hours and I'll write total garbage and I'll delete out everything and I'll leave. But at least I can say I fucking tried that day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I spend so much time writing. I spend so much time like like not writing, but also writing like all, you know what I mean? Like I'm always out. I'm always like, I feel like I'm always writing in my mind. Like I'll see like a couple sitting on a bench and I'm like, what's their, you know, what's their vibe? What's their story? Like, and just make up a whole little thing or like, I'll watch like a really cool movie and be like, oh, like there's a song in there, you know? So I feel like that's like the curse of being a songwriter. Cause I know my friends like will be out and we'll be drinking or whatever. And my friends will just like, look at me and I'm like totally somewhere else. And they're just like, <laughs> They're like, hello. Like, are you writing know, another dude. fucking song in your head? And I'm like, no, yes. totally. <laughs> My girlfriend will be like, tr- be like, you know, I don't know, trying to make out or something. And I'm like, all of a sudden, like, oh my God, but what about this? Like, oh no, mid makeup? <laughs> no, I'm like, no. Damn, savage. What have I, done? I didn't even do it on purpose. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I totally hear you, dude. It comes at the. Weirdest freaking times. That's hilarious. I constantly zone out. In fact, I've left. I my favorite thing to do, I think, is to leave a movie midway, because all of a sudden I've heard a song I haven't heard in like twenty years. Yeah. This happened to me when I was watching Heavyweights. You know that amazing Ben Stiller movie. Yes, it's uh, critically <laughs> and they acclaimed. Play, uh- <laughs> yeah, they play a hot chocolate track in there. You sexy thing. Oh, yeah, and I'm like, how the fuck have I not heard a remix of this? And I just shut it off and went in my studio and made it in like two hours. It's one of my favorite things to play. Right? But yeah. Like that's like – How that stuff can just like catalyze it. Like when inspiration is there, I feel like it, it's just it, – I don't know. You have to like grab it while it's there. You do. You have to compl- You have to get off your ass and go do the thing because otherwise, yeah, you're going to lose do it. Do you think like other professions sort of have that – like that magic, that vibe. It's like, I don't know. I feel like when I'm inspired, I can I can like work forever. And I'll be like in my studio and all of a sudden, like, you know, my husband will come home and open up the door and, and I'm like, he's like, are you coming to bed? I'm like, what time is it? What? Like, I, I just like had breakfast a couple of minutes ago. Like, what are you talking about? It's like- Dude, that's so funny. I was just saying that last week. I like went in the studio at nine and then at like four o'clock, my girlfriend's like, I'm on my way home. And I'm like, what? Right? Like, where did all the time go? But hey, I finished a song. All right. Sweet. <laughs> I, yeah, I that's for, so nice. I think other creative professions definitely have that. I don't know about other like just corporate professions. I think people yeah. are just there to, to put their eight hours in and get the fuck out of there. Yeah, well, in that book we were talking about, The War of Art yesterday, there's a whole thing in it where he talks about like that the professional, if you have an idea in your head, you get up and you do it. Like you just do it. And I also have this, you know, like two minute rule thing in my mind, which is kind of tangential, but sort of falls in the same wheelhouse of if I have a task that I know is going to take me less than two minutes, I'm just going to do it right now. Yeah. Because it takes me two minutes and otherwise I'm going to procrastinate it and then I'm going to get anxious about it and then it's still not Mm going to be done and like it snowballs and then 10 other things like that add on top of that and it's just like- And then you can't do anything. You're like, oh my God, forget it. I don't know. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I'm frozen in procrastination now because I ruined everything. <laughs> no, totally. I feel you. I have to have that two-minute rule. I wouldn't get anything done. That's like a really good rule. I'm definitely going to apply that for real. Thank you. It's a fun one. 
Yeah, and I, I think I read it on, you know, some cool BuzzFeed article that they stole from Reddit probably, <laughs> like 10 top 10 things that productive people do or whatever. But yeah, that was a good one for sure. Yo, I mean, I also feel like that's so like anything you could – I feel like I'm always searching for like how to be more productive because it's tough when you're like a professional musician and you're or even just a creative person. You don't have like – yeah, we have deadlines, but you're like in charge. You know, no one's over your shoulder. You know, like, okay, like this is due at this time or whatever. Like, it's all on you. So, like, exactly. You have to find you're breathing over your shoulder. Right. Like, exactly. And it's like, I feel like I'm always like, I write things down a million places. I have like reminders on my phone. Like, you know, it's. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) Yeah. And I was, I I think I brought this up this morning to somebody else, but I've been watching going through the Friends series lately just on the background while I do like freelance design or whatever. Yes. There's this part in there where, Rachel at one point is talking about how she's sick of working at the coffee shop and she moved to New York to do fashion and like how had how is she still at the coffee shop and she was so sick of it and Joey was like you need the fear and she's like the what and, and he's like you need to quit your job so you have the fear yes and that was yeah. like totally a thing yeah. for me you need the fear you need to quit your job so you're like oh my god if I don't figure this out I'm fucked. yo well you know, you know like, what that actually happened fear. to me at, like I remember. Cause I used to be like an event planner and I would do like web design for, I don't, I don't want to say where I used to work, but yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, like they were like so amazing and I, I was like working full time, but then I would go to the studios and like work all night and I was like barely sleeping. And Ugh. I like, you know, they kind of low key said to me, like, look, like we know you're doing music. They were so supportive, but they were like, but you're not doing your job. So they were like, look, we're going to fire you. Because then you can collect unemployment. And I was like, yes, like, thank you. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, the biggest gift. But let me tell you something. When you live in New York and you get unemployment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's not paying for anything. like nothing. Yeah, like, like you can afford to live in your car. That's pretty much what unemployment covers. (laughs) So, you know, I had, like, a real fire under my ass. And I was like, okay, fuck. Like, I have to make this fucking happen. So, literally, like, I got, like, technically fired in March. And then I had a major label deal, like a single deal in place by July. Damn. Whoa. Hell yeah. And Can you say where that deal is? Yeah. Or so is it, still- it was actually, I was in like a producer duo group and it was called f and we did like a cover of Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money. And uh, yeah, we got it signed to Amazing. Big Beat. Nice. Yep. That's awesome. And, and that leads us into what we wanted to talk to you mostly about today besides your solo stuff was royalties girl oh oh girl don't even get me started (laughs) i can't even get started we need you here to explain all the things to us yeah so you know what's so crazy to me i wish somebody when i first started out had kind of like broke it down for me in a really simple way because i have i've made so many mistakes and i i've done so many stupid things and i feel like the people who were handing me these deals or whatever, like it was like super predatory the way that they were handling these things because they weren't giving me the information. So for example, like for a while I was doing hip hop beats and hooks and every song, there's like two parts to a song. There is the master side and then there's the publishing side. So the master side is like the, the master recording, right? So like that's where there's like a whole like way that you get paid out for a master recording. And typically, you know, when you sign a track to a label, they'll sign the master. But they don't so yeah, now makes sense. the other half is the publishing, which is the actual composition of the song. So that's like the the instrumental pieces and the lyrics and the melody, right? 
So that's like a whole other side of the song. The labels usually don't have anything to do with that. And the publishing side is your performance royalty. And you can collect that through like your performance royalty organization like BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, all those things in America. And if you're overseas, like if you're or if you're in Europe, I think we're the only country that has like options because of uh, capitalism, but like overseas, like in, why do I keep saying overseas? Sorry. In Europe and other countries, they usually typically only have one organization per country. Really? Right. Yeah. I think Australia only has right. one. I had to do work okay. with that a few times. That's interesting. So basically what I, when I first started out, like I would do these beats and hooks and then someone would be like, okay, like here's $500. I'd be like, oh my God. Yes. Like fucking rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was like, no, totally. I thought I was like in I the money. A hundred dollars for my first DJ gig. I was like a hundred bucks. Right? You're like I'm fucking rich, but like it's important. Paris Hill, like at least totally. you're like you're like I'm getting paid for what I love. This is fucking sick. So yeah, no, totally. You know, but in reality, what I just did was a buyout, which means I can't collect on the publishing and I can't collect on the master recording. So that and that's forever. And I think that's what people don't understand, especially when you're first starting out. Like you make money off of music forever. That's like your mail money. And that's I was saying that literally on a recent podcast that we did is that like that's kind of exciting. We were saying it might be a little depressing (laughs) when you like eventually maybe start dwindling. Yeah, but you never know. Like, you know, like like what if someone samples your shit in the future and you're like 60 and you're like, woohoo. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree and like reta- retain that optimism for that exact sort of right? thing. Or even like if somebody, so for example, like let's say I write a song and somebody covers it, right? They collect on the master side because they recorded a new version of it, but they don't get any of the publishing, only I do. And right. you also have to approve that cover yep. via the label yep. as well, right? Mm-hmm. The okay. label or or whoever yeah. whoever owns the copyright. So like- since like, okay, let's say you're not, you don't have a publishing company and you're self-published, like you have to approve it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and a cool, right. a, not a cool, a kind of fucked up example of how things can go awry with this. We we have talked about this in the past, I think before Pat, but George Clinton. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. George Clinton is a good example. You want to talk about it, Pat? I don't know a whole lot about it, but basically he didn't care so much about the business side of things when he was writing a lot of those songs. And in, in, the a, 90s, in, the, yeah. in the early 90s, in the early 90s, when like a lot of death row albums and like the West Coast, like G Funk movement was happening, it was all Parliament or Funkadelic samples, and he didn't get royalties on any Ooh. of that stuff. And just recently, in the past couple of years, he's been trying to fight it to try to get past royalties from it. See, like, and that's uh, what happens. Like, you have yeah. see. I hate this thing where I feel like like all of us get brainwashed to to think that if we care about business, like, oh, you're only in it for the money. That's not a true artist. And it's like, what? No, like what I'm making has value. My art has value. Don't try and say that I'm like anything less than because I like care about my coin. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and even to be at that level and to be able to still not maintain the rights over the the second most sampled funk and soul artist of all time next to James fucking that hurts Brown. My heart. Right. That hurts my heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I just looked it up here. A 2001 ruling from a U.S. district court in Tallahassee, Florida stated that Clinton does not own any publishing rights to any of the music he wrote between 1976 and 1983. How is that possible? Then in 2005, a federal judge in Los Angeles returned the ownership of the master recordings of four of the Funkadelic albums from that 2001 case. So not everything, but some of it. 
And yeah. wasn't it his label who was the ones that totally screwed him over probably, on it? Probably. Or I no, mean, it was his publishers. His publishers had be. filed under the wrong thing to begin with, and he wasn't paying attention it could to be. it. And a lot of the like major labels back then and how they've consolidated now, they all have a publishing wing. And so a lot of a lot of the times they own the uh, publishing rights to the masters that they're well, distributing. That's as well. why you have to be careful. Like I know a lot of and a lot of labels now will do like co-publishing agreements and you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Which you know what I feel like in today's day and age, it's sort of necessary, especially with like sync opportunities, like and sure. also like you know with YouTube and giving like licensing permission and stuff like that. So like I get that, but don't. Don't give away all of your publishing. Like, that's ridiculous. And no, also, like, no. um, an, an important thing to know is that – so there's, like, two pieces of your publishing. There's the writer side and the publisher side. So, like, if you go on to BMI, like – and also nobody told me this. I had to figure this out. It was really, like, I don't know, blew my mind. When you go in, the splits have to equal 200%. And I was like, what? I'm like, why would it equal 200%? That makes no sense. But it's because 100% is allocated for your publisher side – and the other 100% is for the writer side. And a while ago, when like all of these artists were getting fucked over, like, and labels were stealing their publishing forever, or like their manager, like, I know, like, I think like Bruce Springsteen, like, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I think it's either Bruce Springsteen or, or Billy Joel, but one of them they signed over their publishing to their manager, like, signed the stupid deal. Like, I don't, I don't know why he would ever do that. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. But so what happened was, is they passed this law to make sure that you can't ever sign over your writer side. So no matter what, you're always going to get the writer side of your publishing. Like you can never sign that over. Yeah, it was it was Bruce Springsteen. It was Bruce. All right. Yeah. In 1976, young Bruce Springsteen, famous for his energy, stood in a courtroom table and argued that no amount of money could later compensate him for a missed opportunity to influence an entire generation of music due to being sued by his manager, Mike Apple. Yeah, that dick. (laughs) <laughs> and then it, uh, <laughs> fucking Mike what Apple. Fuck? What you were saying about BMI, <laughs> it has to add up to two hundred percent. We use ASCAP, and a, oh, like a little so side you know, so it's like you have your publishing company, yeah. and then you're like who yep. you are as a writer. Yep, and uh, on on the ASCAP side, it has to add up to fifty percent on the writer side, fifty percent on the publishing side, so it combines to one hundred percent total. So I guess it's just different semantics like, based on why which, is uh, no one explaining writes. that to us? Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of bad yeah, info no, out definitely. there. There's a really lot of bad. Info I think out there. also you have to account for like the co- the constant climate change of what's happening. Yeah, it's so that dynamic. maybe it, it's really hard to write like a textbook of what the fuck we're supposed to know yeah. how to do because things are changing every damn day, right. and especially. Yeah. Now we can just look at this is a perfect segue into the fucking Spotify open yeah. artist admission. Well, before, oh. we, before we do that, I would like How to, uh, anybody oh. out there listening who's an independent artist, I'd like to just throw a recommendation out there what you should be doing. It's great if you create an account as a writer account, but you should also be creating a publishing company as well. So you're getting, otherwise, you're missing out on half of your royalties, more or less. They're just kind of out there in the ether. Yeah, I know that so um, for. If, yeah. Like for BMI, like I know ASCAP pretty much like sets it up for you, even though they don't really like explain why. But I know for BMI, like I have two different accounts, I guess, if you would. And one's a, a publisher side and one's. Yeah. No, I have that. I have that. You have to do that for ASCAP as well. You have to have a, a writer and a publisher. Account. But nobody explained so that to me. Nobody LLC. freaking explained that to me. Yeah. And I had to like figure that one out. I was like, uh oh. And there's yeah. only you, you can only collect so far retroactively on your performance royalties. Which sucks. Okay. And if you, oh, this is the other thing that I think is just, uh, all right. So check us out. So let's say like you have a song out there and you never registered it. And 
they they play this game with you that like if you don't claim your song and claim your royalties, it just gets thrown back into the back into the system. So like BMI and ASCAP can take all the money that your song has earned that you didn't claim. And after a certain period of time, it's their money and they can kick it back to their their bigger artists because they want that artist mm-hmm. to continue to stay with that PRO. So like a Taylor Swift, like, you know, they want her to stay on. So they'll just kick her some extra cash of uncl- someone's uncle. Yeah, songs. no, I was just talking. Yeah, this is needs. a yeah, tiny right. bit tangential, but I was just talking to that same person I was talking about a minute ago, a snowman who's the saxophonist. Mm-hmm. He used to manage a gospel group that was signed to Sony. And he, they basically, like when they decided to come out with a new album deal for him, they were like, okay, well, we want you to pay us $10,000 and this will cover all your mixing and mastering fees. Well, Snowman is an avid certified, Ableton certified, Pro Tools certified mix and master engineer. Like he, so he was like, so I can do this myself. I don't need to pay this guy, to you guys, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, no, that, that's just part what? of the deal. Like, you know, whatever. But they made a comment to him, like, take it or leave it. But like all everything that you're getting right now is on Justin Timberlake's dime, essentially. Like all the other extraneous things that you're not paying for with that initial chunk are being paid for by JT. And so they just have like hundreds of these little plebe artists that are having to pay in to be signed on top of the fact that That's like, like a pyramid scheme. the money's trickling down from the largest artists that you're like you're saying is getting extra money from these labels from people that aren't collecting their royalties. Right. Anyway, it's just such a clusterfuck. That's why I feel like, you know, the more like podcast like podcasts like this exist and the more like we all talk about it within our community, like the more educated we are and we can use that like, you know, just to have like like you know two legs to stand on and say no like that's not legal or no that's not fair or why would I do that and have the courage to actually know that like if you speak up for yourself you're not gonna like definitely be fucked but then there's also the these these large labels just like prey on naivety yes. they really do so it's and tough have, like, and you have a podcast as well and they don't have, you? like yeah. the best lawyers in the country too yeah so. Anna has her own podcast as well where she's talked about this before What's over it the neon rainbow which um. Okay, yeah, I'm actually you guys should go. The check next that one out. is uh, if you guys are interested, we're doing another one on how to self-release because, yeah, I mean that's I feel like that's that'd be very of interest. Uh, like you know, I just follow self-releasing right is like awesome because you know you you get all you, I mean you get to keep all your money, creative control, all these things. But I feel like a lot of people are sort of like afraid or intimidated because like they're just like oh I don't know it might be really hard but it's really not that hard so. Yeah. <laughs> but then like you guys, no, like you brought right. up before, like how do you feel about Spotify cutting out the distributors and letting people just upload directly? Oh, I mean, my distribution company is not fucking happy about it. They got in like a Twitter argument. No. I go through Symphonic distribution. They got in a huge Twitter argument with Spotify and they're all up in arms. About really? It. I mean, it's definitely just a giant power move. I well, think. Spotify is eventually going to become a, a record label. Like they're going to sign artists. Yeah, for sure. And it, Really? They, they yeah, already they already have. Really already Interesting. Have I did not know that. that. I think the first one they had was a cassette yep. with two mm-hmm. Cs. The guy that wears the cassette tape on his head on no, stage because no he idea. does that. <laughs> anyway. Okay, Yo, bye. can we all okay. can we all just like collectively agree like we're not going to continue to wear, I don't know, like I'm getting helmets. a helmet. I'm getting helmets. a helmet made of Lord Farquaad <laughs> as we speak. So. <laughs> Although, wait, no, no, no. I take that back because like, you know. I don't, I'm not like the biggest fan of touring. Like I really hate using other people's bathrooms. Like it's just a thing I have. 
but <laughs> that's, that's my own OCD shit. So wait, I take it back because I just want to like put someone in a unicorn suit and they could just play and DJ for me and I could stay home and use my bathroom and make music. <laughs> That'd right? be perfect. Or they could do Ninja Warrior yes. for you because oh, that yeah. just fucking happened. Yeah, yeah. Marshmallow. Did you see that? Yo, I, you know what? I feel like a lot of people get upset about him, but I feel like he's having a moment and he's milking that moment and... Take I it, agree. Yeah. Hey, man. But did, yeah, did you see he totally murked Ninja Warrior the entire course on his first try dressed as Marshmallow? No. I mean, I don't think it was him. He did that. <laughs> yo, PR we will stunt, never know if it was fantastic. him. Yo, what the fuck? We won't. But regardless, good ass PR stunt. Yeah. You got my yo, attention. Mosha Lizzie, I don't care if it's him. All right. I feel like people hate on this guy a lot, but Mosha Lizzie gets it. His artists always pop off. He like he crushes it for red light management. Like he really does. And you know, I don't agree with everything that he says, but you can't deny his his game. I mean, no, definitely. I think that's how to, how I sort of felt about the whole carnage debacle of like, you know, clearly he doesn't know how how to way do more it. louder. The guy knows how to build a brand. I'm not defending his lack of making music, but he defo knows how to hype a crowd, and he has a Chipotle sponsorship. So I mean, like, you got to be doing doing something. Yo, because we all don't want to pay for that guacamole. Let's be real. That shit should be free. Yeah, <laughs> and plus they got chorizo now. Damn. God damn it. Yeah, and also if if you haven't found out yet, don't eat the queso there. It sucks. Does it really? <laughs> really? Is it bad? Is it it's bad? horrible. Do not pay for it. Do not pay extra. Do not do it. The guac though, just stick guac with the guac. Guac is great. I mean. <laughs> anyway, we wanted to chat with you also about what you think about this whole thing with the MMA, the Music Modernization Act. No. And you were a huge advocate of the serious boy- boycott prior to the bill I passing, can't believe. So, yeah. I can't fucking believe that Sirius was paying like lobbyists to try and lobby to get this bill not to be passed so that they wouldn't have to pay performance royalties to like, I, I can't. And then did, did you hear they just acquired Pandora? They just bought Pandora. Yeah. yeah we just talked about, about Yo, that. You have money to fucking buy Pandora, but you don't have money to pay the music that you're playing, pay for the music that you're playing. Come on. What's going on over <laughs> yeah, there? Oh my God. I don't know. Uh, just trying to save a dollar. Yeah. So, so, there's three parts to the Music Modernization Act. And I think if I remember right, I was going to do research this morning, but I kind of <laughs> forgot. The first part is that anything before, I think it was 1972, yep. yeah. will be now getting yes. royalties, which kind of blew my mind because there's so many great songs that were released in the late 60s and popular and very well. You know, you know, you know what's crazy to me? Because I don't know. I don't know about you guys where you live, but like radio where I live, there are so many classic rock stations. And now I'm sort of like. Maybe that's why, because they didn't have to pay for it. Maybe. Exactly. 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 And I was, I was thinking, thinking that too. too. And when I first told Pat about that this was that they were even trying to do this bullshit, I, I said, like, oh my God, you know, all these people from the, you know, early 70s and before, they're never gonna get royalties ever again if this doesn't pass. And I mean like streaming royalties and it's or like performance radio, it's radio royalties. That's what too. I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um he was like, Well, do the Beatles need more money? And I'm like, okay. Dude. This is exactly what we were talking about two seconds ago is the fact that our songs will never get negative plays. We'll, we'll get royalty checks for the rest also, of that our goes lives. To your kids. I'm sure there are tons of tiny little, exactly. And they're to the people that are dead. It goes to their kids. The people also, that are still like, alive. We don't that have a, famous we don't anymore, have a fucking 401k plan. Like we don't work for, for a corporation where we're, we can. In- yeah. We don't get a fucking 401 everybody. Yeah, like, okay. Come on. I'm, come on. So like, let us have our little mail money, you know, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> like we deserve it too. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, d- totally, dude. I couldn't so, even believe that shit but was that's, happening. But that's good. I think I think a lot of the classic rock bands are doing okay, like the big ones. 
every once in a while you hear a weird obscure b-side from some band and maybe they they need their you know half a nickel yeah but how many times have you found a song that's like literally 50 years old and you're obsessed with it all yeah. of a sudden like i've been obsessed with that new that Bretton wood wood song called yeah, I think um, really Oogum Boogum, and <laughs> it's from like the say. 60s i think it will really help for like some of that early motown stuff and early oh stuff yeah stuff. oh my god but yeah i think it will really help for a lot of obscure 40s and 50s songs that Sirius Satellite Radio has stations dedicated yeah, totally. to the 40s and 50s. Okay, and though okay, we were talking about this as well. On the on the Music Modernization Act, there was like a third part to it where they decided to add royalties for producers. Do, do you guys know what the deal is? I with don't that? I'm not sure exactly how that works out or who's setting the rates. Yeah, I think that was like kind of like a recent addition, but I feel like I feel like that was sort of like a wording thing because it's if you All right. I feel like producers back in the day never they were more of like an engineering type person. Do you know what I mean? And and they would sort of sit there and and put the songs together and maybe do some arranging or whatever. But I feel like like back in the day they weren't as concerned with having a piece of the publishing. They were more concerned with points on the on an album. But now that right. you know nobody's really selling physical copies of albums unless you're I don't know, like a huge massive act and and people just want to buy a physical album. I don't think that that matters anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like everything changes so much. Right. Well, I think what it's going to, from how I read the section of that, uh, of the law, is that it's going to add, like, if you're using a performance right organization, you know, the drop down as a composer, arranger, et, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's now going to be a space for producer slash engineer that can get uh, percentages of the publish, publishing based on. Right. So, I mean, I guess it depends, like, because I mean, for example, like, you know, I always produce all my own vocals, like always. So that's why, like, Mm -hmm. I would get so pissed off that people are would the way that they treat featured vocalists. And I'm just like, yo, I'm doing just as much work as you are, probably more because like to mix a vocal. (sighs) That shit is hard. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I hear you. It's so time consuming. I get really kind of pissy, too, when people like I'll run my vocal through isotope honestly because i want it to sound like the compression that i put on it then you're allowed to put a little side chain on it or whatever but yeah i don't know i hate it when i send over people ask for untreated i'm not doing it i'm like okay i know what makes me sound good i I honestly feel like the best way to sort of avoid that is to just be like you know what like i have my sound and this is my sound as an artist and the way i produce my vocals a part of my sound so take it or leave it like yeah, that's good advice. You know, I mean, but but it is. I feel like also it makes you a better, it makes you like a better writer. It makes you a better singer to produce your own vocal. And I think in the long term, it makes people respect yeah. you more. You know, like I was reading this book, Essentialism, lately, and one of its main points is that le- it's learning how to say no to people. Yeah, it's hard. And and uh, and the fact that over time they'll respect you for doing that, but at first it feels like you're causing an awkward situation or something. But over time, people will respect your like necessity for things to be correct the first time and and shit like yeah, that. I don't I don't so. fuck around with that anymore. Like I don't I mean I feel like I used to care, but I I've, I've always sort of been very protective of my vocal and the sound that I have because like I swear to god like I I think that when you use autotune as like if you need a little help or if you're using it as an effect that's cool, but I feel like most producers like who don't have any musical background like literally don't even understand the difference between like I, I don't know, like a major and a minor scale. And like, they're fucking it up over there. Like, what the fuck? I'm not gonna let you put fucking, 
oh my god i'm like do you even know what key this is in so you just sent me a song this is so funny so you know what i'm I, talking oh about god. right i laughed dude i yes. laugh so hard when sometimes when i watch youtube videos and it's like somebody trying to like come up with a beat and this and that and one i think i saw one like a couple months ago that made me laugh because this guy had he was like trying to play a piano line and he's like and you just sit here and keep like fucking with it until it sounds about right and he he like had a video on him for like 10 minutes just because he didn't understand what a minor and major scale was because hmm. he couldn't That's figure fun. out the minor and major oh third you know what oh my god I was looking up some of the most like ridiculous. This guy's teaching people how. This guy's like putting videos up there, trying to teach people how to like write a song. Oh (laughs) God! Yeah, I think there's a disconnect there with men and women feeling that they have they have the skill level to teach people. Because I've always found that women are much more apprehensive about that exact thing. Yeah. What if? Oh my God! Yes. No, I don't want to get reamed out on the internet. I'm like, everyone's like, oh, do a vocal tutorial, and I'm like, so. I mean, I have mixed. I don't know, probably thousands of vocals at this point. Yeah, you would literally be the authority. But I feel on doing so self conscious because I feel yeah. like someone's gonna be like, "Oh, what compressor? Hundred percent. Oh, you're not. You're not yeah, doing it right." Totally. I feel weird about ever offering my instructional expertise, even when like other producer homies ask me for my advice on something. I think yeah. it's a lot for the reason that I feel like there are like nine hundred ways to skin a cat when it comes to like production and stuff like that. So it's like maybe someone who's more elitist and actually classically trained in it or whatever you want to call that, like technically trained in it would give them a completely different answer than I would. And that makes me insecure. But anyway, but I'm like the same way though, when you no, you, you've told me like, I should do guitar stuff, like put some guitar videos on Instagram and whatnot. And I'm just so self-conscious about it. Now do I you, just jumped. Do right you feel it. like you get self-conscious about it? Because you know, like I, also the, I was thinking about this today. Like, it's so funny how, if you put anything on like, on, a, on, I don't know, socials or Twitter, Instagram, whatever, everyone's like, well, you should just be able to accept the criticism and whatever, like mm-hmm. whatever any troll has to say, because you put yourself out there, like you deserve it. And it's like, is that, is that like an acceptable attitude uh, as a, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's an acceptable attitude, but I think it's the reality. Right, uh, right. You have to, you kind of have to be thick skinned if you're going to put yourself out there because there's going to be a troll out there that's going to do that. And if, if, if you're really thin skinned and that's going to get to you, I mean, I think you're going to kind of have a bad time if you do that. I also read this article that like people tend, tend to gravitate, tend to let negative comments have more of an effect on them than like all like positive comments. Oh, for sure. I think that's just human nature. Yeah, what is it like every time when we were young that people would say like, if you say something bad about someone, you have to say 10 nice things about them after that because that's really what it takes to get them to get over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yo, it's crazy. I mean, the things I read about myself on the internet sometimes, I'm just like, who, like who's, I mean, I don't even know where you guys got this shit from. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so totally. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I was just looking up um, some of the top streaming royalties of all time real quick. And this is just wild. Prince is Prince. So we're talking about, you know, because we're in Minnesota, we got to talk about Prince. Yes. Who's sold more than 1 million records worldwide. Came to mainstream prominence as a major label signed on Warner Brothers. His 1982 breakout album, 1999, top charts. And then in 1984, his cinematic and musical follow up, Purple Rain. Purple, Purple Rain. Rain. Wow. Oh, that yeah. was really weirdly well like done, harmonized. <laughs> We didn't Holy even know. Shit. Oh my God. Okay. Um, 
holy shit. I just need to collect myself from that shit. Instagram. <laughs> guys, shit. we are not in the same room. Just so everyone knows, like, we are, like, we are at, like uh, 2,000 miles Mark. away. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, we definitely need to collab in the future with that harmony yeah, right Pat, there. Yeah, Pat, will you throw a little auto-tune on my fine self? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, okay. P of G. Hilarious. Was that what it was, <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, I'm going to go it, with A minor. I'm going to put it key of G so it's going to sound weird. I will be like, I'll just be one of those uh, patriarchy guys out there just like, pretending <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Jesus. You know? Okay. It was you. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So Forbes first recorded Prince's earnings in 1986 when he banked an estimated $15 million in pre-tax on the su- success of one song. And then he tallied around half that at $8 million in 1987 with reception from Sign of the Times, which was bested by $16 million in 1988 after he toured overseas. And then he earned $20 million in 1989 and then dropped down to $15 million in 1990. And this is all from royalties that oh, he did in like 15. the course of five years. And those are mechanical just royalties. Purple Rain. Yeah. Oh, really? Or performance that's, that's royalties. Purple Rain? That's just Purple Rain. The song or the album? The whole out, like tracks from the album. Okay, okay. And the reason I sort of brought this up is because I was talking to somebody last night about Purple Rain, and I don't know how we got on the topic of like censorship and stuff. But actually, in 1984, when he released Purple Rain, Al, Al Gore's wife, her name is Tipper, yeah, which Tipper. is funny. <laughs> she grabbed a copy of, of Purple Rain for her 11-year-old daughter. And she was listening to it with her and they put it on and darling Nikki came on. And (laughs) the first line of that is I knew a girl named Nikki. Guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a hotel lobby masturbating with a magazine and she freaked the fuck out. And actually not know who Prince was like, I mean, did she think it was like a kid? Like, like, oh, Purple Rain, that sounds... Her her comment about it was, what? The vulgar lyrics embarrassed both of us. At first I was stunned, but then I got mad. And millions of Americans were buying Purple Rain with no idea of what to expect. Thousands of parents were giving the album to their children, many younger than my daughter. And the outrage actually led to the formation of the Parents Music Resource Center, which is right. the people who then in yep. turn came up with the parental advisory sticker yep. that everybody yep. knows That's a whole today. cool story, too. Uh, she was spearheading that whole movement because of... I didn't realize it was because of this album. It was song. all because of Darling but Nikki. All because the, she didn't want to be a parent and listen to that shit fucking first. Like, yeah, what's wrong with to, you, bitch? They wanted to, like, heavily censor things. And throughout the 80s, actually, like, a big op- opposer of her who went to court was Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. Oh, and yeah. He, Yo, he's a Long Islander. You know we can't yeah, keep our mouths shut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he'll, like, gladly talk about it. You can Anybody who's interested out there can go just... Google it and you'll find pages of He'll Listen, listen, stuff, it says right? it right here. Twisted Sister frontman D. Snyder earnestly explained that their song Under the Bridge was actually a song about surgery anxiety <laughs> and Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. And then Zappa testified and said, the $8.98 purchase price does not entitle you to a kiss on the foot from the composer or performer in exchange for a spin in the family. Victrola, taken as a whole, the complete list of PMRC demands reads like an instruction manual for some sinister kind of toilet training program to housebreak <laughs> all composers and performers because of yep. the lyrics of a few. How yep. fucking dare yeah, you? That was for, his quote. That's legendary, dude. That is legendary. Like that that is the man. Opposing it, it could be way, way bad right now. They settled on the parental advisory sticker, which is just a warning and not like a rule so you could still buy an album yeah i mean like i get that like a warning whatever but honestly like at the end of the day that you're a fucking lazy ass parent no seriously dude anna you'll appreciate this so much the the (laughs) last the last line of this whole us today article about this is in the end 
Most of the recording industry voluntarily agreed to label CDs that ex- included explicit language and sexual content. So what's wrong with that? Don't parents deserve to know what their kids are listening to? But they should have done it first. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. So literally. That's the whole. That's the whole point that they were trying to make. That's what they were arguing, and they settled with that just to kind of keep everybody happy, but still allowing the consumer to purchase what they wanted to hear. Oh my God! Emboldened, Walmart even demanded a change in artwork on John Mellencamp's album that's that Walmart. depicted him. That's a separate thing. That's just Walmart. I'm just saying, as this as this happened, like at the same time as this was happening. John Mellencamp had a CD that had Jesus on his left and the devil on his right. And Walmart like refused to sell the product unless he got rid of the Satan. Yeah. They <laughs> recently, they, they wouldn't uh, sell the um, album from the game like four years ago. That was called Jesus piece because it was him kind of in a, a stained glass appearance, holding a gun with like kind of like religious references. Yeah, yeah, so they yeah. just refuse to sell it. Well, they man, do a lot of stuff. I like love that. what the floozies are doing right now with all of their kind of tongue in cheek. Their, t- their tour right now is called the crown of horns and their last oh, yeah. album oh, was yeah, called funk that. Jesus. Yeah. I, saw that. <laughs> I mean, there's space Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Space Jesus. You know, I feel like there, there's such a fine line. Like, uh, like, you know, what's, like, like, I just feel like censor- censorship is like, once you start, it's like a slippery slope. So I feel like you, like the best approach is just like, you know, d- like you just can't, you know what I mean? Because then at the end, because then before you know it, you're living in like fucking big brother with a thought police. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. crazy. Like, if you don't want to listen to something, don't listen to it. But don't right. like, you know, I don't know, try and try and I feel like people. that's like religion. Right. My thoughts on religion. For- like, it's cool, it, but like, just don't push it on exist. me. Yeah. Thanks. so what do you got coming up lately or coming up soon here some releases and stuff that you're stoked about i think actually on the day that this podcast will drop you have a really cool video game sort of i do i have this song it's so crazy i have this song called shooting star and i actually wanted to release it sooner but i found out that forza horizon 4 is coming out and they wanted to use the song for their like in-game radio and i was like oh my god that's crazy and like all my That's friends. That's so awesome! Congrats, dude. All my, I feel like I feel like that game has been around for. The game yeah. is like legendary racing game, so it was such an honor. I was like, oh my fucking god! I was like, all right, I'm holding off until this release, until the game. So yeah, this podcast comes out the same day, like on Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna turn it around real quick. Yeah. So check out my Instagram. Check out my Twitter because I'm gonna be doing a giveaway. If you would like to win a free copy of the new game that has my song in it, Shooting Star. Oh damn! Yeah, like. Watch my social media, and I will tell you how to enter to win. That's awesome. Right. And yeah, quick question on that. How do royalties work any different when you're working with like a video game licensing issue? Or oh, yeah. Like- so so that's usually you get a sync fee. So like they pay you like an, a one-time upfront fee to license your game. Uh, I mean, to license your song for the game. And it usually has like a like a time period in it. But yeah, so this way it's not like they're like continuously having to pay out performance royalties and everything else. But I mean, just the exposure that that generates is crazy. Like anytime you can get your song in a game, a movie, a commercial. commercial, Yeah. yeah, It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like four years ago. God, I can't remember the name of this band, but they were on a a CBS football commercial or something like that. That just kept being played and played and played and played. And their single was pretty good. Their album didn't really sell that well, but it totally made up for it with their sync royalties with like that upfront fee right i feel like so many artists even might get big from like nba 2k 17 soundtracks and like the madden soundtracks and the tony hawk pro skater 
Oh, yeah. roses are red, yeah, yeah, violets are sure. blue, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 2. ESPN still does a thing <laughs> like every day on SportsCenter. Like they have a bunch of like clips and stuff and they'll play an unknown band or kind of like a relatively known band background. And they still ha- it's kind of like an old music video where it shows on the bottom corner that artist's name and song and this and that. And I think they pick that so they can get away with like lower sync rate or like well lower sync i won't payouts. name the companies that do this him <laughs> however mm-hmm. <laughs> like i feel like it's it's really i feel like okay like you know like regular people like they see your song in a in a show or whatever and they're like oh my god you must be a millionaire where are we mm-hmm. going for dinner and you're like mm-hmm. okay listen that <laughs> is not how it works my friend uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, how about you go stream my shit for like 10 days and fall asleep and my, then yeah, come, I'll buy dinner. you dinner, motherfucker. <laughs> these, guys, these guys from Minneapolis, uh, my friend's band, they were never like a big thing around here, but they got one of their songs played on this MTV show, some sort of, I don't know, reality Laguna Beach. Yeah, like, like I've show. been in, I could t- I, I could think, tell you, I've been in a ton of those shows and it's not really yeah. so much about the sync fee, but it's more about people. Yeah. What so, shows yeah. have you been featured on? What's that one with the, where the, um, Real world, they fight each other. Oh, the challenge? Yeah, I've been on that a bunch of times. I've been on like a bunch of shows, and actually, like at this point, they won't even tell me. I just see it in my performance <laughs> royalty, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah. <That's nice>. like, <laughs> so my my friends awesome. struggled to like even get a hundred dollars paid to them. They were like fighting for like six months just to get anything paid. That's for- you know, I'm not trying to ride anybody out, yeah. but that sounds no. like that is the going rate that MTV likes to pay. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it sounds about <laughs> everything I've heard about it is that seems to be what so they do. diplomatic. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot but- of like. Do you have? Do you go directly with them, or do you work with a third party company? You submit like a pool of songs, and then they shop them out. Okay, so this is also really important when you are figuring out what label you want to work with. It's really important. All right, so a lot of people are like, "Why would I give up like any of my mechanical royalty or any of my publishing? Like, what's the point?" So you really want to pay attention to if they have a sync team in place because that's going to make you so much extra money like just and and also give you so many more opportunities so i would really recommend if if the label that you are signing one of your songs to or an album if they don't have a sync company i would really try to push back and keep as much as you can or or just at least say like all right just be clear like what you're getting for giving up like half of like 50 percent, 70 percent of your mechanical royalty like what are you getting for it but that's also like a really awesome advantage in signing signing with a label that does have a sync company or has those video game connections or, you know, any of that. The other thing, too, is because I've been working on music for so long, I've done a lot of like jingle work and I've done a lot of like commercial work. So I feel like every time I come out with a song, I will email it to all the people that I've worked with, like music directors, sync people. And I just I just am always sending stuff out. You just have to get in that practice of like, OK. Here, like, you know, here it goes, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you never know, because honestly, like, I feel like I've gotten a lot of things like in that way, honestly, like somebody will circle back like months later and be like, hey, remember that song you sent me? Uh, it's in the running for this TJ Maxx commercial. Is that cool? And I'm like, is that cool? Yes, that's cool. And there are some, for people out there listening, if like independent artists, if you don't have a lot of connections, there are third party companies out there that you can submit any song that you've you've ever recorded you can submit it to them and they'll shop it around and once yeah. in a while things do happen do you have a, a distro company and a licensing company you'd recommend by chance i, I honestly, use symphonic for everything they've I, been very good to me but i feel like so in today's day and age like all right i feel like tunecore is awesome because you pay like what is it like 9.99 or something for your song 
And but don't, don't you raise the rate every year? Keep it on those distribution channels? No, I think it's like it's like an annual fee and it, it, stay, it should be staying the same. Yeah, like it doesn't raise. I think that you can choose to add on like like if they get new stores, you can choose to mm, okay. add those on Not in the future. It. Yeah. But I, I like it because they're not taking a percentage. So like a lot of distribution companies will take 5%, 10%, 20%. I think that's just fucking bullshit. Like yeah, because I know, I know AWOL, for example, takes a big chunk. And now that you can pitch in app, like to Spotify playlists. And I mean, like Apple Music is, is pretty, they're pretty great. And I feel like they're really good at like, if you reach out to them and make a personal connection, like you don't you don't need your distri- you don't need your distribution company to pitch it for you. You can really yeah. do it yourself and I recommend doing it yourself cuz personal relationships are important. But 20% off the top like that's a lot that's, that's a lot wild. of coin. Yeah, um much. also quick question cuz I know a lot of people who are listening probably use Rootnote for some of the smaller producers that are getting started and stuff because it's a completely free distribution distribution service. Right. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think I think that's awesome. I think that something to think about is like for example, when you're first starting off, you really don't have a lot of information. So like I feel like I could put something on TuneCore or I could put something like you know, I could use any like you know, DistroKid or whatever and it doesn't matter because like I know what I'm doing, I know what stores to put it in or whatever. I feel like if you're not sure, you want to release with a company that's going to have that's going to have the time to be able to get back to you like yeah. customer service. Yeah, and Symphonic has been great with me on that level. They yeah. they're always great about just immediately getting back to me within So like a half in that sense hour. it's worth it to pay. Do you know what I mean? Like a compl- Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. You know, sure. agreed. Sure. But Good but you know, if you if you aren't going to have that personal access like, you know, if you don't have if you're going to release with AWOL and you don't have someone's like you know, some like a point person, like, why are you giving them 20%? Like that, that's just me. That's just how I feel. I think they're a great company. I love Cobalt. I love what they do. But like, one of the main reasons why I didn't end up releasing with them, because I was like, yo, 20%, like, that's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, maybe that's it's wild. That's 15. a lot of money. I know. So that's regardless. I fucking wrote this. Yeah. I could put it on the internet too. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and the cool anyway. thing about like, well, and getting back to what we talked about when we first brought up this whole royalties and things conversation with the publishing companies. Uh, some of those distributors, if you don't have a publishing company, they will become your publishing company and take half your and shit. take half of your shit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you got to be careful it's in your best interest. Like what I, what I did years ago is set up like a dummy LLC through the state, like a music services thing. You call it whatever the hell you want. And then you can set up a, a ASCAP um, publishing or BMI or CSAC, whatever you're Yo, using, or if you're in another country. Honestly, yeah. you need to if you are gonna be serious about like like working in music, you need an LLC like immediately. You need mm-hmm. to set up yeah, a company. Absolutely. Don't don't even like the headache, because nobody fucking told me this. The the literal tax headache that I had to go through because I didn't take care of it from the jump, like, is so not worth it. So <laughs> because also like you also really should should try and figure out like how to find a good accountant who really understands the way music works because royalties get taxed different than regular income. So yeah, you, yep. you need to yep. kind of educate yourself on that. That's yeah. a really good point that you brought up. Yeah. But yeah, please yeah. take the time. You can go on LegalZoom and set up an LLC. It's not, yeah. it's not like impossible. And they're yeah. really great we over agree there. Totally. We have a dummy company set up for just that reason. And I also found a CPA last year named Amy Atzel for anybody who lives in Minneapolis or in the She's Twin Cities area. She's still going to work remotely. She's fantastic. She's got extreme knowledge for like entrepreneurial tax laws for the state of Minnesota and was extremely helpful for me. Yes. It was so much different just finding my own CPA 
than going to like an H&R fucking block. No, they don't know what they're doing. Don't do that. No, they don't. If you're an artist, find a CPA. It's not that expensive. Literally, I think I paid $125 this year to have her do everything for me. Isn't that so nice? And you're just like- She's fantastic. The anxiety of it, I mean, it's so nice when you have someone who actually knows what they're doing. You're just like, oh, It really does. She literally was like, what's this from? Why did you do that here? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I just (laughs) thought I needed it. And she's like, you don't. Get rid of it. Like, you know, just so nice to have somebody that could just like, it took me literally half an hour and and she filed them. Like, oh bam. my God, that's a dream. I, I mean, I did have everything organized really well. I had all my receipts <laughs> and expenses and everything actually ready to rock, but yeah. when it I was so her, quick of a process She was for impressed me. with my Excel skills. I was teaching her things. <laughs> oh yeah. Excel. You want to oh, know yeah, I what? I I sent you to her. Yo, we need to also have a talk, everyone. Learn Excel. Learn motherfucking <laughs> Excel. Uh, yeah. Make everyone's life easier. You will. You will. You will have to yeah. use Excel. Yeah, if I survived Google, Google Sheets. I it's, survived. Yes, me too. I don't like, I don't like <laughs> Google Sheets because I I used Excel for so long in corporate America. Yo, that, fair, fair. That the, uh, it's um, close I know the hotkeys short, hot are different. Don't, the hotkeys are different. But at the same yeah. time, it, the, like, the user the usability of the like interface of involving a group of people into that is it's much, it's, much different as well. Yes. Yeah. It's good. I mean, they, they do share now in Microsoft office. Yeah. But, but I don't have fucking office. What are you going to do? I, Bounce it out into numbers for me so I can download <laughs> it and then look at your dumb it's, shit it's, and then re-upload it in Excel form and send it back over to you. That sounds like a it's blast. It's way easier to uh, uh, pirate Microsoft <laughs> office than it is any. I don't want any. Microsoft office on my computer. With <laughs> Yo, the I don't want anyway. that shit. I don't want that shit either. Uh, no. Google Sheets. Google, Google Sheets. Sheets. Google no, no, Sheets. No, 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 one no, of us. Two. One of us. <laughs> You're not one Disagree. of us. Disagree. Disagree. You're not Disagree. one of us. Get out. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. Yo, I, I feel it. Pat. I we're just abusing you right now. I just, I just use and abuse this motherfucker. No. You know, I love him so much. He hates we when I say that. So, anyway, do you got anything else cool coming up that you want to plug, Anna? You're killing it lately. We're super stoked for you. Super oh. stoked to have you on this cast for real. I'm just yeah, honored you. that you guys wanted to have me on. Yeah, no, new song, Shooting Star, comes out this Friday, and there's tons oh, yeah. more music. Oh, you know what I want to talk to you guys about? Also, check out Hidden Sounds. It's brand new. We're actually going to start adding new members soon. But if you want to check out all of these independent self-release songs from your favorite artists, go check out. There's a playlist on Spotify, and we also do weekly Twitch streams every single Thursday. 2 p.m. Eastern Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, guys. so that's 1 o'clock for the Minnesotans. Yeah, so check it out. Come chill with us and stream. We've got so many artists in there. We've got Varian, Ramesses B, Vila, Laura Bram, Holy shit. Nirvana. Dude, what is Vila doing lately? We were just talking about that blackmail track, Let It Be, because oh, of Vila. God, I love her. Oh, my God, I love her. I know, me too. I love her. She's I'm fantastic. obsessed. She actually just did a stream last week, and it was just phenomenal. Like, Honestly, sometimes I feel like I forget how much, A, how much music she's made, and B, just like how talented she is as a writer, a singer, and like she's just, oh my God. I have such I have such like a professional music girl crush on her. I just I'm, I love her so much. <laughs> it's like the days of our lives, like having a professional music girl crush on yes, somebody. I mean, yes. like- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like definitely check it out. We're gonna be adding new members soon. Just just I mean, it's just a great community because you know what? Not everything is always gonna fit on a label. And I the reason why I, I wanted to start this group is because just like for from a community standpoint, just to get like song feedback, business advice. I don't, I don't know, just like, like general, like being, just being able to have a community. Cause it's really hard sometimes being 
an independent producer and a songwriter yeah, and you're, you know, by yourself and in your computer, you know, like just in your own little world all the time. So it's really nice to just have that to bounce off of. And also because I, I, I found myself like, I have so much music that hasn't been released because I would send it to a label and they would say no. And that's, and that's fine. Every label should be curating a music that's on like their label, you know, that's what they're there for. And that's why they have their fan base because they curate to that. Mm -hmm. But, but that, but it sucks because after a while you don't want to get, get in this trap of only making songs that would fit on a specific label. So, and then feeling like, oh, I would release this, but no one's going to hear it. What am I going to do? So that's why we created Hidden Sounds because we also just sort of like have this community and we all like promote each other's label releases and self-releases. So like things that probably like people would have missed now they'll never miss it because there's a playlist for it and there's a Twitch stream and there's a Discord and it's really it's been like such a cool I love it it's been really cool that's awesome dude yeah that's, that's super cool I'm gonna have to check that out yeah please do it's awesome and you know we are opening up membership soon so Megan you know ooh, ooh, maybe you want to join by us ya. I'm coming by yeah <laughs> we have yeah, so many totally. cool people in there like I can't I feel like I'm forgetting so many people like AK we have, like ambient producers. We have like crazy. We have like Mr. Bill in there, who's like, oh my god, damn, Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill. Oh, my name's Mr. Bill, and I make like cool songs and like my mascot's an egg, <laughs> or an eggplant. I'm not really sure. Anyway, that was my Mr. Bill impression. That was pretty good. Yo, he is just crazy. We have like AU five, or do we just call it Oz? I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, admit yeah, that dude, out. he's awesome. I just played a few shows with him actually. Yeah, he's oh man, he's great. We have just he's a cool guy. We have a uh, Miyoki in there, Rob Gasser. Tim Schaufert, who's like an up and coming sort of like he makes like witch house. He makes <laughs> that's I mean, an awesome ass genre name, dude. Oh, you never heard of witch house? No. Oh, um, all right. Well, I know what I'm doing in, in like the next five minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to go down that rabbit hole. See ya. <laughs> oh, boy. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. man. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank we you really for having appreciate me. it. Yeah, no problem. And we'll we'll have you on again, definitely. <laughs> well, right, hopefully we'll next time a- you guys will be in New York. No, definitely. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Yes. <laughs> guys, thank you awesome. so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, girl. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. Great. That was super informative. Thank you so much for doing this such short notice. We really wanted to have her on because she's so knowledgeable about what's happening right now with the changes yeah, in performance. Yeah, it's so timely. There's so much going stuff. on. So we hope you guys yeah. got a little bit of info from that, no matter what level you are right now in your musical path or mm-hmm. just learning new stuff as a fan about how this stuff really works behind the scenes. There's yeah. so much that goes yeah, yeah. on that we don't even know what, what the hell's going I'm on. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still yeah, trying to figure it out. Yeah, you know, we're going to have to loop back with her years. and ask her questions even more. We'll have her on again sometime because she's super tight. Yep. But anyway, thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. We're super stoked to be able to have you on the cast. And we'll have another one coming out next week for yeah. y'all with a really good homie of us. Yeah, Bureaucratic, also yeah. from New York City. Yeah, yeah. Two New York people in two weeks. How yeah. about that? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. So anyway, thanks y'all for peeping GRP yet again. Tell your friends, tell your homies, listen to it when you're bored at work, when you're bored in the car, when mm-hmm. you're not bored, when you're doing shit mm-hmm. and you're cleaning your house. When you're cleaning the bathroom, you should yeah. have done like two months Play ago. Play it for your mom. Play it I for mean, your mom. Play she, it for your Give her a kid. parental advisory, though, warning, yeah. just in case. Oh, uh, yeah. We're slapping a parental advisory on here. <laughs> thanks, Prince, for that. And um, uh, thanks, Tipper Gore, for yeah, that. thanks, Tipper. Thanks a lot, Tipper. Anyway, no. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week with Bureaucratic. Be easy. Oh, credit. Oh, credit.